Welcome back to Mining Stock Daily. Today is Friday, November 2nd, and since Fridays are usually subscribed to our in-depth interviews with mining CEOs and management, I have a very special guest on the line today from Minera Alamos is the president, Doug Ramshaw. And for those who may not be familiar with Minera Alamos, they are traded on the TSX Venture under the symbol MAI and in the US OTC market with MAIFF. Doug, thank you for joining us on the phone today. How are you? I'm great, Trevor. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> well, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, can you, for our listeners who may not be familiar with the company, can you provide a quick snapshot uh, of Monera Alamos and uh, the projects you have in play right now? Yeah, absolutely. We're a Mexican-focused gold development play. Um, focusing on low capex projects. We have three right now, um, two of which are in the permitting phase, and the third one we're can, uh, still doing some scope and work ahead of uh, applying for necessary permits. So all, all pretty advanced, um, PEA on one and, uh, uh, you know, first one likely to be in production next year, where the second one, our goal is to bring on uh, the year after and a third one uh, the year after that. So uh, kind of a modular build out of our production um, profile. Okay. Uh, and so the bulk of the work in the company has been through uh, the Santana project, correct? Well, yeah, there's always a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes, which which would make for very boring press releases because it's all the production design schematics for, for the mines uh, and the like. But, yeah, we've been very aggressive at Santana this year, um, not only taking the project from bulk test. We had a 50,000-ton bulk heap leach test uh, that was completed uh, successfully. Um, you know, we've now taken that into the permitting phase, and our goal is to have permits for Santana by year end, uh, which would allow us to start the construction in Q1 of uh, next year. But alongside that, we've been running a, a very successful exploration program as well, because our goal is to projects which maybe have modest starting resources in the plus or minus half million ounce range. But a key component of any asset we look for is the ability to obviously increase the overall resource. If we never added another ounce, we could make a bunch of money off it, but, um, uh, and then have to look to deploy that to another project. It makes a lot more sense to have an asset which, which can scale up as you scale up the expiration. So we've been running expiration alongside the development work okay uh, and yesterday morning you guys announced a release uh, providing drilling results uh, at the project uh highlights did include 127 meters of 0.81 grams per ton gold uh and another um highlight was i'm looking at it here uh, 80 meters um, uh, of 1.05 grams per ton gold, and I think the thing to really note here is that the 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 grams per ton may not seem really high as we're seeing from a lot of other discoveries throughout the junior mining sector, but the distance, the intersects are are really large, uh, great widths there. So, can you uh, provide some comment onto the into these uh, drilling results and what they mean for Santana? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I should speak 
to, to the team we have here because it would be disingenuous not to mention them. Um, my CEO, Darren, and his team, which is basically, he's kept together for the last 10 years since he built one of these companies, uh, Castle Gold, which which started out small, um, and they built a small heat bleach operation on and, and then scaled it up as they scaled the expiration up, and ultimately Argonaut bought it for $130 million a couple of years later. Um, their expertise, you know, focuses on a lot of uh, different styles, but certainly in, they built three of these heat bleach operations. Now, heat bleach uh, doesn't necessarily have the glamorous high grades of, of some of the discoveries we've seen in the market, but it's, it really lends itself to a low capex startup modular build out. And the reality is, you know, whether, you know, the last three weeks we put out series of holes and in every set of two or three holes, there's been a highlight hole. They're all considerably higher than you'd expect to see in the Great Basin, um, and American heat bleach plays in Nevada and the like, um, in the 0.4, 0.5-gram kind of range, they have huge in those operations, and they almost need them to support the, the lower grade. In Mexico, we're lucky we can have projects such as Santana, which is running 0.8, 0.9, and it allows you to build out um, starting small and scaling up. Um, now, we're not starting out particularly small, Mm -hmm. 25 to 30,000 ounces a year at Santana is our kind of targeted initial production rate. Um, but uh, so, yeah, the results that we've come out with uh, are encouraging. They, there's, a, there's a vast amount of drilling that's been done on the project, but we are trying to determine the extent of our pit designs right now. And, and we've been stepping out from the historical holes and continuing to hit. Today's 127 meters of 0.81 ended in mineralization, um, and and so you know these these holes will add to our our resource there for sure. But I, more importantly, I think that it's nice to be able to highlight to the market the the quality of the Santana project. We hadn't been drilled in seven years, and our mm -hmm. team went in there and have done an exemplary job of of drilling. Uh, it was a modest phase one program of 10 holes, sure. but uh, uh, an incredibly successful one for us. Sure. Well, and I know, you know, other than being a, a member of this team, I know you also are an active investor in the junior mining market. And so just from your investor's perspective, do you think there's um, uh, a lack of uh, market uh, love, if you will, with better continuity over greater distances than there are with higher grades being announced right now? Um, you know, we, we, we have preached to us, you know, grade is king, and especially in bad markets or in low gold markets. It's like everyone focuses on, on, on high grade. Heck, you, you see accusations of a lot of the bigger mining companies potentially having high-graded a lot of uh, their resources in, in these tough markets, and, and that's something which they might come back and pay the price for later. You know, grade does definitely help, but heat bleach allows, you know, is such a low-cost production um, technique that, you know, I, I think it's, it, it's, it's just as good to have 120 meters of 0.8 in my mind, for the style of project we're doing, than someone chasing narrower widths of high grade. But 
they're just different projects. And I think investors have different um, different types of, uh, of gold projects that like to invest in. I mean, you know, some of the, the biggest gold projects in the world are not high grade. Um, they're large disseminated low grade deposits, which can be mined with huge economies of scale. Um, so, you know, it's our forte is, is building these things off, off, uh, of, you know, the, uh, perceived to be lower grade, but, um, uh, you know, that's not to, not to say one's better or the other's better. I think as investors, we, we, we tend to, um, gravitate to, to something that we, we like more. And a lot of people I know have focused a lot of the new discoveries in the market have been high grade. Um, and then when you see the traction in the market for those high grade, it kind of reinforces that that's what people should be going for. Um, you know, I, uh, so, you know, we haven't had that much traction in the market, to be honest. Um, we're in a tough market right now. So quite often good news is still greeted as a liquidity event for some. So, so I think unless people like West Haven and, and the great bears of the world, um, uh, you know, come out with these kind of spectacular grades. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of companies that have been putting out results, it's it's resulted in more liquidity events than uh, um, really strong appreciation, or at least mm-hmm. appreciation that can be maintained. Sure, sure. Well, if I had a sound effect for a clapping uh, room of mine, mining engineers, I would have played that right now. But I think they'd be pretty happy with your answer. <laughs> I, so I did actually want to add there, you guys, uh, Minera Alamos announced another uh, big discovery uh, last week of October, and uh, you were also the recipient of a new porphyry discovery, which seems like we've seen a lot of porphyries uh, being uh, discovered throughout the, uh, throughout the sector in the last uh, six months. Uh, but tell us about uh, that discovery, which I believe is uh, north of the Santana project. It's a few hundred meters north of anything we drilled before. Um, our guys, you know, it's funny how it happened. We, in the release we put out today, we had um, one hole, it was hole 120, which which had um, kind of hit a fault zone anyway. They lost the hole. Um, and so the guys decided to move the rig, we own our own rig, a couple of hundred meters north. Uh, onto a, an interesting area that they'd seen at surface and uh, plunked a hole down and we got something very different to the the largely disseminated gold mineralization within the Brecher pipes to the south. Um, we got something that had all the hallmarks of a porphyry and, you know, it's, it's been long thought that it, somewhere on the Santana project there's an underlying porphyry system that's obviously driving this mineralization. Sure. And, you know, we've only got one hole into it, but it is completely different. And not just because it carries, I mean, the hole was 96 meters of, um, on a gold equivalent basis, one, almost one and a half grams per ton gold, which was obviously a, a great hit. But for me, what was significant was 
the, the very different um, assemblage of uh, minerals in there. You know, we had over 0.3% copper, mm-hmm. um, 9 grams silver, and 0.85 gold. Now, the gold is very similar to what we have at Nicho uh, to the south, but we don't have the... Uh, Excuse me, we don't have the elevated silver there, and we certainly don't have the copper there. And then when you start looking at the uh, the rock itself, and you realize that you've got um, alteration that is very porphyry-like, you're, you're seeing these A and B-type quartz veining uh, with uh, disseminated uh, uh, mineralization uh, uh, along them. It was... It was different, and we've only got one hole into it, and I, I think our geos will be chomping at the bit to go in and, and put some more in, but it seems open in all directions, and uh, you know maybe it is this long-lost kind of discovery of the driver for property-wide mineralization down there, but it was certainly um, uh, met, uh, uh, met excitedly by our team on the ground when they drilled that sure. hole and pulled that core. So is the team uh, looking at creative ways for advancing more exploration resources directly to that area? Or, you know, it seems like it's brand new, you know, maybe caught you by surprise just a little bit. You know, so what what happens now with that system? Well, I think, um, you know, we've, we've just concluded this this modest 10-hole phase one program with, with what we consider a great success. You know, Santana is still basically the first thing we want to put into production. So, you know, now in in the short term, focus switches back to um, permitting aspects and the fund uh, the funding for the development. It's it's a relatively cheap build. Um, we estimate it's somewhere in the order of eight to nine million um, Canadian uh, from a capex perspective, hmm. and you know which is great. And everyone will say, "Oh, well, that's fantastic." But I think there's there's also the importance of being able to show we have that funding in place, and and it, that will largely well we have we have a non dilutive methodology to do that, and you know I I would hope that alongside getting permits by year end. Uh, we'll also be able to kind of demonstrate to the market that that project's de-risked at a permitting stage and also from the, the project funding um, perspective, uh, which I think should should carry us naturally into, into next year. So so while we're focusing on that, the expiration will, will hold just for, for the next little while. But, you know, we have every intention of a phase two program. We've talked about it in our drill releases, and and I'm, I'm not the kind of person that talks about something only to not do it. I, sure. I, I consider the best way of being judged is to set goals out there and then achieve them and have people rate me on my ability to actually follow through on what I say we're, we're going to do as a company. Right, right. Well, that's one of the questions I did have for you was regarding uh, your finances and obviously the share structure. Uh, there's 300 million, over 300 million shares outstanding on the company right now, and I, you know, I think it's fair to say some people might look at it and say, you know, that's that's pretty high, um, but I think there's also some advantages to that as well. Uh, but then also, you know, how does that, you know, if will there be another round of financing to um, move phase two drilling uh, uh, into the future? So can you kind of walk us through that and your thoughts there? Well, we have, yeah, I mean, uh, first, uh, I will address the share structure. It, it is fair to say that, you know, I, 
over the last five years of bad markets, um, you know, companies with two, three, four, five hundred million shares out has become the norm. And I think each needs to be judged on its own merit. Um, if we were exploring moose pasture in Manitoba, um, not to denigrate Manitoba or mooses uh, uh, there, um, I think one would realistically question 300 million shares out in a Greenfields company. In, in, our, in our case, you know, we have a pipeline of three projects which we feel can be brought into production uh, consecutively over the next three years. And and so I think, our, you know, a year from now, if we were producing gold, I don't think anyone would necessarily raise an eyebrow to 300 million shares out. But the reality is, at this stage, it's something which probably does uh, discourage some investment. Um, and, and so it, it's, you know, it's something which I, I clearly, you know, am aware of. And um, my messaging needs to be, you know, is hopefully on point to explain where that's, why we've got that 300 uh, out, or at least where it's held. And 50% of those shares are held by a Cisco Gold Royalties management and institutions. Mm. So when you strip out that, then, you know, okay, it's not quite as sloppy a structure as to seeing a headline 300 million shares would suggest. And then of the remaining 150 million shares, I can probably make six or seven phone calls and speak to another 50 million shares. And then of the remaining 100 million shares, I think that's what uh, has been traded this year. And I know of people that have been accumulating a lot, as have I. Um, and I think that's gradually tightening up. But it was no surprise to me today that we traded a million, 1.2 million shares, and, and we were basically up half a cent on the day. There's, News does still prove to be a liquidity event for some shareholders, but I'm encouraged by the fact that there were a bunch of people that came in and saw the potential in what we put out today and, and obviously have bought into our story. And um, it will be up to myself and the team to deliver at a project level where ultimately there are not people that want to sell on News, but actually view it as something that they don't want to liquidate. And I think the onus is on management in any company to give a compelling enough story so that when someone might be looking around and thinking, I need to cash out or something, you're not on their hit list. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of what I plan to do over the next couple of months, I think will de-risk a lot of the corporate story to a point where that's achievable. Right. Well, in, in full transparency, uh, you know, I am a, a very small shareholder within that 300 million shares. So, <laughs> yeah, and I'm uh, also very happy to be a shareholder uh, based on the management's uh, team and their uh, expectations to move these projects through. So uh, I try to be as transparent as well through these interviews and let people know where I put my money as well. In terms of fun finances, oh, you yes. know, we're, we're currently somewhere in the 1.5 to 1.6 million dollars in the till. Um, and this speaks to a couple of things. It's, um, you know, one of the other pieces of news we put out recently was our third project, which was a, unlike Fortuna and unlike Santana that we own 100%, we're earning 100% interest in a project from Vista Gold to Guadalupe de los Reyes. And there was a, a second, it's a $6 million uh, 
uh, earn him for 100% over basically 48 months. Mm -hmm. We may be an initial million and a half payment when we first uh, uh, signed the deal, and there was another payment coming up. Um, and we worked with Vista a way to um, push that payment back six months. We, from a project finance point of view, just happened to be this confluence of both the Fortuna project um, and Santana um, having impending permits there. And what it does is it just resets that uh, that payment out six months so that we've got Santana up and, and moving towards production. Okay. For Tuna, the conversations with deck groups um, well advanced. It's a lot easier to then tackle that. Um, coupled with the fact that our team is, is really, one of its core strengths is its ability to operate down in Mexico. And it's largely because it's a Mexican team that Darren's kept together since the Castle Gold days. It's why we're very um, confident about being able to speak to year-end uh, permits on two of our projects. Sure. Um, we, we want to do more scoping work at Guadalupe to make sure that we can, um, uh, we're ready to push forward with the permitting process there. And there were certain things that we wanted to get a comfort level on prior to making that next payment. Um, and the focus just had to shift to the to these other two projects just temporarily. So, yeah, Vista were very um, accommodating for us in that regard, and uh, we you know, definitely appreciated that. And we love the Guadalupe project. It's in a slightly tougher part of Mexico, in Sinaloa, but our guys have an office down there and work down there, and there have been projects... Uh, down in Sinaloa, that uh, like Casada of America's Server Corp, um, uh, I believe McEwen Mining have a, a project down there, a mine down there as well. It's it's a slightly tougher place to work, but I think it's changing, and the answers which is too good to pass up. And we're looking there at five to six hundred thousand ounces um, in measured and indicated that. Historically, we're being viewed as, as a milling operation with a higher cutoff, a half gram cutoff, and probably a, a grade of 1.7, 1.8 grams per ton. Our team think that we can build a heat leach operation there, lower the cutoff, but you know we could be we could be talking five, six hundred thousand ounces at 1.3. Uh, to 1.4 grams per ton, and 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 those are really high quality ounces. So, so we're we're as committed as ever to Guadalupe, but we did appreciate Vista being able to uh, uh, grant us the extension mm -hmm. so that we could just focus on wrapping up the permitting at uh, our other two projects. Sure, sure. Yeah, it was kind of interesting when I when I did read that news because um, I do do work with Vista, but I almost forgot forgot about Vista's involvement with Guadalupe. And so it kind of took me back a little bit, right? <laughs> I had to remind myself, uh, you know, the, the two plays there. Um, so I, I, I do want... There's a lot of balls to juggle, right? Yeah. I, if, I'm, if I'm throwing three balls, I'm throwing one ball, I might not uh, juggle it well. But, uh, you know, we had two balls up in the air and this third one coming in with this deadline approaching. So, yeah, it just, it just brought us a bit of time to... Uh, to kind of schedule things out that fitted in with our corporate budget and funding uh, requirements. Right. Exactly. So for simplicity's sake, Doug, I, so let me see if I can get this business model right that Monero Alamos is, at, is kind of pursuing. You get Santana up and going into production. 
you leverage that cash flow to get Fortuna up and running into production within maybe a year. And then you leverage that for Guadalupe to get that. And then all of a sudden, in a very short time frame, you have three producing mines. Is that kind of where we're at? That's the goal. Like, it's, you know, and I'm, I'm always loathed on timelines. Um, uh, but, but when I give them, I, it's because I'm pretty confident that, that we, can, we, can, we can meet them. So, like, for us, Santana, we hope to start construction um, in the new year. And realistically, we could be putting first ore on the heat leach pads there maybe July, you know, but our construction teams could switch over to Fortuna pretty rapidly. Uh-huh. So Fortuna construction could start maybe Q4 of next year, which would, it's a slightly longer build out. It's probably closer to 12 months, but that would theoretically allow us to, you know, be on a annualized run rate of Santana by, um, the latter part of next year, 25 to 30,000 ounces a year. And then a year later, Fortuna comes on at 50,000 ounces a year. Um, that's giving us a very healthy production profile um, right there and then. And then you add, you add in Guadalupe coming on after that. And, yeah, we start getting into... Uh, you know, the 130, the 150,000 ounce a year production profile, if we can bring all three on. And you're right in saying that the goal here is to expand uh, our production profile out of the cash flow of Santana. And and this is something which is, you know, perhaps a bit of a lost art in, in the Canadian market. You know, teams like Darren's who've built three, three mines in the last 10 years, you know, at the junior kind of end of the business, uh, a bit of a dying out breed. You know, uh, the Australians are fantastic at taking a couple of hundred thousand ounce deposit, building a 40,000 ounce a year mine off it, and expanding the re- resource out of cash flow. Sure. And in Canada, it just always feels like we go back to the well of the public market. And so when Darren built Castle Gold, you know, the, the original resource at El Castillo was 300,000 ounces. And he built a 25,000 ounce a year mine, 6.4 million US. Uh-huh. And, and then they expanded that mine to 50,000 ounces a year out of cash flow. And we're expanding to 75,000 ounces a year when Argonaut came in and bought them. Now, they did, Argonaut came in and bought them not because of their production profile, but because they'd also at the same time and why they were ramping it up, were expanding the, the, the footprint of the resource. So, you know, by the time uh, Castle Gold was bought, that 300,000 ounce resource had been taken out to 1.2 million ounces. And the development of the production profile had all largely been done out of cash flow. And that's incredibly accretive um, as opposed to constantly having dilute shareholders so whilst we might have a share structure now which isn't necessarily perfect for some it's the ability for us to develop uh, our projects out of cash flow mean that there's going to be limited dilution moving forward and I think that that's actually more important than necessarily you know looking at the the number of shares out now one's really thinking about okay they're at 300 now 
but you know, where would they max out at? Is it 400? And now you start looking at the production profile and think, well, that that can that can be very accretive for those shares. Um, so not to get too hung up on a number, especially when you start understanding who owns the uh, the stock. So. Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the goal, and you know, in many ways, this is Castle 2.0. But this time round, we're starting with three times the assets, and are incredibly fortunate to have the likes of uh, Cisco Gold Royalties as a strategic backer, a financing and technical backer with them, um, and it's a, a very, very good a working relationship with them. They're not some passive shareholder. They're they're engaged. We have a representative of their team, Ruben Padilla, on the board that gives us incredible technical insight. Um, and, uh, and and Darren, you know, shares a lot of his uh, processing insight with them. And it, so it's the perfect relationship between a junior and a major. And we're, we are very fortunate to have that with them. Very good. Uh, I have taken up a lot of your time, but I just have one follow-up final question. And, you know, give me a quick answer. What's the biggest challenge going to be for Monero Alamos as we head into the next the next year and into the new year? That's a good question. I mean, you know, I, I would hope we, we come out of this year with two projects permitted and funding in place for one. Um, so the biggest uh, the biggest challenge normally at the project level is 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 being able to actually build it and, and having the funding to do it. Um, are there teething problems with any startup operation? Yeah, there, there always will be. You know, you, you try to apply as many conservative inputs as possible to mitigate against that. Um, you know, we're, we're very comfortable with the, the change of government down there, which I think with, is, has embraced my from a point of view of working with you know, communities where this can provide good-paying jobs and uh, uh, economic benefits to to rural, you know, more agrarian areas of Mexico, and um, and so uh, I guess the the greatest challenge would come from us making mistakes at the project level. Um, and for me, when I got involved working with Darren uh, and why, I, and I guess in many ways, and if he heard listens to this, uh, then I, I hope he doesn't feel there's any pressure on him. I'm a big boy, but one of the reasons I bought as much stock in the market as I have is because, in my mind, is that's a vote of conviction that our technical team know what they're doing. It's not a bunch of expirationists that have nothing else they can do with their project but decide to try to mine it themselves. It's a very specialized skill set, and our team is actually mostly... Uh, a permitting development build it kind of team rather than a bunch of expirationists. Um, we are lucky. The guy that expanded the resource at Castle Gold fourfold is still our VP of expiration and it was him that cited all the drill holes that um, that led to all these great uh, results of late. So he certainly hasn't lost his magic touch. But, you know, I think... I, I think... Uh, one is foolhardy if they don't go into a new mining operation without realizing that there are probably going to be some technical challenges. Um, I think our team can mitigate a lot of that through their experience of working with this kind of deposit, though. Very good. 
Thank you, Doug, for your time, uh, your insights, and uh, uh, joining us on Mining Stock Daily. That's Doug Ramshaw, president of Minera Alamos, which is traded on the TSX Venture under the symbol MAI, and in the US OTC market with MAIFF. Doug, thank you so much, and you have yourself a wonderful weekend, and good luck. Thank you too, Trevor. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein.